Welcome to episode 22 of DLN Extend. We choose topics covered by the Destination Linux Network that we think need further discussion and extend the conversation. This includes shows, Destination Linux, Ask Noah, Linux for Everyone, This Week in Linux, Dosky, Tux Digital, Hardware Addicts, and the latest show hit the scene, Sudo Show. All this while highlighting conversation in the Destination Linux Discourse Forum. Hi, I'm Nate, a Linux fitness and vintage tech enthusiast with an almost unhealthy obsession with the OpenSUSE project. And I'm joined by two new fabulous people, Wendy and Matt. Wendy, you know from Hardware Addicts podcast. Wendy, Thank welcome. you so much. I'm super excited to be here. So yes, if you haven't listened to the Hardware Addicts show, absolutely should. It's that bi-weekly podcast where we get to talk about all fun things hardware. And now... I get to join you two awesome people and not only talk about some of the hardware stuff that we do, but lots of software goodies and stuff from around the network. So Wendy, I'm so excited that I get to, to join the Titan such as yourself in the Destination Linux world. It's, uh, it's pretty exciting. I know we've got a lot of common interests. That we do. In, uh, and, I've lo- and I have lots of questions for you on, on other things. I've actually been meaning to email your show uh, or even send you a telegram, but you know, I guess, I guess we'll get to it eventually. Awesome. Right? I'm excited. There's more content there and I love answering questions. It's one of my favorite things to do on the Hardware Addict show is answer people's camera questions. So I am all for helping people figure stuff out. Well, I have so many because I, I shot a video and I published it anyway, even though the, the, the video quality was kind of crappy. I, uh, it said, I, I even actually put called myself out saying now in 480p <laughs> right in the beginning because it looked that well, bad. Well, <laughs> video is definitely not where my skills shine. I have been working with some video recently myself, uh, mainly on that Fire tablet that I put Lineage OS on. Ooh. And oh my goodness, I have to tell you, I give Michael mad props for his super video editing skills because it's been... there's. Definitely a learning curve to video. There is no doubt about that. So I'm also joined by longtime community member, Matt. What's going on, Nate? Matt, it's so good to hear your voice. <laughs> I'm glad you're joining the show. You've got a special gaming focus that I think you're bringing to the show. Is what I uh, gaming technology focused. Yeah, very, very Linuxy gaming focused. I like I'm a video gamer to heart, but it's all done on Linux. And a collector and... of strange hardware. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> I do run some strange hardware. I, <laughs> I, I got nothing on that one. Um, for me, though, it's really about I, I'm a, just a big gamer. I've been using Linux since 99 give or take and Ooh, wow. like i remember loki software who used to port a bunch of the early linux titles and all, all the other stuff yeah so i've been in linux and gaming in linux for a really long time so i want to share a lot of that knowledge and that experience and kind of bring a different perspective to the linux gaming end of things because i don't think linux gaming in and of itself be it proton or you know Lutris or whatever aspects of gaming get really kind of brought into the limelight enough on the bigger scene on the Linux community, unfortunately. And I think it really deserves it because it's a really great time to be a Linux gamer, if, especially if you like modern games. No, no I do have to, to say that it is your fault I have a Steam uh. library. 
It's all of your fault. I wasn't interested at all until you started helping me find some games for my husband. And now not only do I have a decent sized Steam <laughs> library, the darn thing keeps growing and it's your fault. Every time I buy a game, I blame you. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I, I take, I, I take it. no responsibility in what you decide to purchase. Uh, even though I don't they're know. usually Sometimes my, I love you give it. some, say, Hey, this one's on sale and it would be good for <laughs> the last one you recommended to my kids. It's awesome. They absolutely love it. Which, which one did I? Uh, I oh, the uh, Override. Override. Four and four mech combat game. It's, it's yes, great. And they absolutely get a kick out of it. How come I didn't hear this recommendation, Matt? I don't know. <laughs> well, now you will. <laughs> This episode of DLN Extend is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewall, load balancers, and so much more. DigitalOcean recently announced new features and services such as its virtual private cloud in all regions, free of charge, lets you create multiple private networks to isolate your workloads. Container registry is now available to all users as an early availability release. Easily store and manage private container images and push images seamlessly to DigitalOcean Kubernetes. New quick install droplets have been added to DigitalOcean Marketplace, Jitsi, Minecraft Server, and others. You can get all this plus access to their world-class customer support for as low as $5 a month. Get started on DigitalOcean for free with a $100 credit by going to do.co slash dln and you can use that $100 credit for spinning up over a dozen droplets or even some monster-sized droplets for two months. Again, you can get started with on DigitalOcean with that $100 credit by going to do.co slash dln. So in the theme of announcing new things on the network, we also have this new show. Not sure if you caught it, but the Sudo Show. Brand new. It launched June 25th, uh, 2020. The hosts are Eric, the IT guy, who's been around, and Brandon Johnson, uh, both from Red Hat. It's The show is bi-weekly on Tuesdays, the 25 to 30 minute show. So it's perfect for the commute and it focuses on open source for business. One of my favorite things about this show is both of these guys are extremely well-versed in this topic of open source for business. They've been working in it for years. It's going to be amazing to see all of the different things and pieces that they bring from what they're learning as they continue to work in this space and all the stuff that they've picked up through the years of being a part of it. They just, they have some great insight to this topic. And I know I loved their first show and diving into all these little bits and pieces of what different companies do with open source projects. They have some great stuff coming. Yeah, definitely. I listened to the first episode and just just the uh, different layers that as end users, we really don't see that is open source and, you know, all the various business models and stuff around that open core and all that kind of stuff. The hosts, Eric and Brandon, really bring a, a different flavor to like enterprise and open source and the role it plays. And I think it's really cool that this is, is actually a show on the network now because it gives that different perspective that we as Linux users that are in it, we hear a lot about it, but we don't actually see it as it were what i appreciate is they are actually bringing the information in a very approachable way like it's even though i'm not in the enterprise space for doing anything it i'm all pretty much user space or hobby space they make it easily digestible very listenable guys too yeah it's not dry it may be open source for business but they keep it popping it's not a dry business podcast by any means and in that nature of what happens in one thing can affect in another let's talk about why you should care about linux games this is the question that came up in episode 179, and I believe it was directed at Ryan. And it was an email saying that, why should I care about Linux gaming? I don't game. Well, there is a bunch of different reasons that you should really care about Linux gaming. 
Linus Tech Tips recently did a video about why Linux gaming is better than Windows. You know, 70% of the Linux games or Windows games that run through Proton on the top 1000. That's crazy. Two years ago, you wouldn't even. You yeah, and they're at least maybe- running by gold status, isn't it? So, I mean, they, they've got some really good functionality, may not be perfect. And they're not just the, the indie games. You're able to play some of the AAA titles through Proton on your Linux wow. system. Yeah, it, it's crazy when you go back and think about it like two years ago it was a lot of the native ports which is i love native ports but i also love games so let's be honest (laughs) and proton is something developers can target the biggest thing was proton uh i'm gonna butcher the name uh the anti-cheat system for doom eternal basically would not any longer play through proton because of them in bethesda implementing this anti-cheat system because it goes into like Windows kernel level. It's really kind of weird, shady stuff. Some people don't like it. It is what it is when it comes to the gaming end of things. But for me, the thing that I really was more hopeful about is the fact that the company that makes this was like, going forward, we're going to make sure this works with Proton. And I'm hopeful. I'm oh, hopeful really? <laughs> that that is true. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the Dendro. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of it because it's uh, it doesn't usually work. It's a good step forward. But what a lot of people don't understand is we have better Linux drivers for from NVIDIA, from AMD, and all these other companies because of Valve and Linux gaming. So those Blender renders are a whole lot faster. We have better across the board, better device support for mouse and keyboards. Programs like uh, OpenRGB are now available. Because that one's pretty that- good. It, it takes a little bit more to set up. On Hardware Addicts, if you've listened to that one, you know that I have upgraded my system recently. And while I'm not a big fan of Rainbow Vomit and have it turned off, I did want to <laughs> play with it a little bit and see how it works. So R- OpenRGB was allowed me to tweak the, the Rainbow Vomit on my motherboard. And you can do it with mice. But Piper, Piper is such an amazing application for your gaming mouse. And really, after I got a gaming mouse, I would have one for regular use anyway, not just for gaming, because it is so much more precise in the controls. So with Piper, not only can you change the rainbow vomit on your mouse, but you can set the DPI and change the functionality of buttons. It is an amazing open source project that gives you so much more functionality to your mouse without having to boot into a Windows partition first. Yeah, exactly. So it gives a better user experience. Absolutely. And and at the end of the day, what most desktop Linux users should want is a better user experience from top to bottom. So for me, any improvements that I've seen in the gaming aspect end up trickling down into other aspects of of Linux. Our sound system is so much better than it used to. Uh, (laughs) It still has its problems, but you know, Mac OS and the other various ones still have issues. Uh, go go try running OBS on a MacBook or a MacBook Pro. Have fun with the virtual audio cable type programs you got to use to make that work. Well, we've seen so, some of the issues that DOS Geeks had in his Mac experience with that. Exactly. So I'm all good with another better user experience. And I think it's it gets lost on people that if this segment improves, i.e. in this case gaming... That doesn't mean anything to me because I don't do it. Just because you don't do it doesn't mean it doesn't affect you in some way. 
So I've got a question for both of you. Some of these games are working so well in Proton. Do you think that means that because developers can use that compatibility layer that maybe some other non-gaming software can come over using Proton and that compatibility layer? I am so glad you brought that up because for me, I've been using Proton, using Lutris, that allows me to use Fusion 360, which is a CAD application mm-hmm. that I really enjoy using because of Proton and everything else. I can use it in Linux almost flawlessly. I don't know if it's maybe gold level, but it runs very, it runs efficiently. Uh, You know, I can spin models, complex models, and there's no, you you don't get any tearing or screen jerking or anything like that. And I don't even have a very performant system really for doing CAD. I don't have a machine that's dedicated, like I don't have a dedicated CAD machine for myself, but I can say after using that, absolutely. I mean, I would love to see Autodesk target Proton and so people can run Fusion 360 and Linux. That really, for me, for me personally, that changed so much of my happiness in using Linux because now I don't have to think about booting into a Windows partition or something like that to get you know commercial level. So you say done. overall it made your workflow smoother because you didn't have to jump operating systems. Yes, it's made my life a much happier place because now I have that option to run on Linux. Quite frankly, doing CAD work in Linux is a much better experience in general because of the the desktop usability. I think is so much better than Windows. So for me, it, it worked with my workflow a lot better. And that's so and awesome. So forth. That's just another example of something that was gaming related i.e. proton helping and making something that was not plausible plausible so it's stuff like that where that kind of stuff matters and how it affects us across the board so what might not affect you on one end definitely affects you despite whether or not you actually do or do not use it there was one other thing that i wanted to kind of plug and that was the awesome tutorial that is on front page of linux for easy install of Jack Audio by using the Ubuntu Studio installer. Now, I don't know how many people actually have tried setting up Jack Audio in the past. Saying it's not easy is an understatement. So what the Ubuntu Studio installer does is it makes this process way easier. And if you have a bunch of different audio interfaces, you know, MIDI interfaces and all the other stuff that goes with it, it is a great tool to use. So the nice thing with this, though, is this can help out with content creators who do streaming, you know, because you can route your audio in a very specific way or how you need to, because... As much as I, I love all the work that Pulse Audio is being used for, it, it still has some issues sometimes when you like you plug in like a multi-functional USB device that has multiple inputs. It's kind of like in Windows sometimes you plug in like a USB mic, a Blue Yeti, and it tries to send the audio out through the headphone jack on the Blue Yeti, and you're <laughs> like, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> it, it, you know, Impulse sometimes does that, and you can't change it sometimes. So. I think this is a really cool tutorial. And there's tons of screenshots. Yeah, this article is written by a longtime community member, Mauro Gaspari. I've talked to him many times. He's extremely knowledgeable. And it's a very well-written article. I don't know if I can adapt it to my OpenSUSE setup. It's a really great step-by-step article. And this is another great feature of the front page Linux. You know, the way the community can, can contribute to the rest of the community in in their knowledge. It's a great knowledge base. Speaking of knowledge base conversations and community, one of the biggest conversations across the entire network this week from Linux Plus Plus, Tux Digital, and even in the discourse uh, community forums, the conversation, of course, has been about Linux Mint blocking snaps and whether or not this is a good or bad thing. And this goes back for a while. So... I feel like this kind of brick comes up from time to time. Like we, we always hear snaps jumps up 
in the conversation. And this is one of those things that like, I just, it leaves me just scratching my head. What's your take on snaps? Just short version, good, bad, or indifferent. Good. I think they're a good thing. For me, I'd also have to say good. I'm totally on the board with having packages that are not only easy for the person creating the application to maintain and update, but for people to have apps across what ever distribution they want to use. So I'm saying good. I'm going to say good as well. For me, this whole thing obviously rolls back about over a year, year and a half, give or take. I think Mint, they've had a very solid position as far as how they view snaps. And that's fine. Yeah, they, they had their first blog post really talking about that in June of 2019, where they, they made their position very clear. So this isn't anything different than what we saw from them last year. Their, their position is very consistent. Right. If you're going to not want snaps like and their their whole thing is specific there is very specific around chromium like this is where this whole conversation started i get that they don't want snaps in their distro totally fine with that i think they're the way they're going about it is not right well it's not necessarily that they didn't want snaps in the distro they're saying they do not want snaps automatically being installed instead of a deb package when you're using apps. So if you use apps to install Chromium, you should get the Chromium deb version and not the snap version is their biggest beef with this whole thing. And as we've seen from an October 2019 post from Alan Pope, the reason why they're making this change, updates for Chromium are coming out every six weeks. Not only do you have to package for every version of Ubuntu that they are currently supporting, and they do have, you know, some other long-term releases going, but then you've got every architecture. So this was a way of, okay, we can still have Chromium which is used throughout Canonical, the people who are actually working on Ubuntu can still have the latest version of that browser, but they're not having people spend so much time on packaging to get the deb for every single version of Ubuntu and architecture based. I get where Linux Mint's coming from, but I think they're, the problem I have with it is how they're going about it. There are plenty of other Ubuntu-based distros that don't ship with SnapD or Snaps, like enabled. Yeah. Pop! OS comes to mind. My suggestion is why not just pull the Deb down from like, oh, I don't know, Debian. My biggest gripe with Mint is they use a lot of the canonical backend. Hey, Mint, you guys maintain a bunch of packages already. Add a Chromium package, and there you go. And stop complaining about it. As far as like, I get their position, but what they're complaining about is an upstream decision that they rely on the infrastructure of the upstream. And you're right. They've been consistent for quite a while. And, and I would say, for my, my humble opinion, they've been consistently wrong <laughs> as well. My issue is, it's almost like they're attacking yeah. snaps. And, and I say that because they actually say it's forbidden. You know, they could just say, well, we don't provide an alternate. And like you said, they could they could maintain it themselves rather than make a big hullabaloo out of it. You can set priority with repositories. They can just set the priority for you know Chromium in their repository as they maintain it higher than the uh, 
uh, so they don't actually pull down the snaps if that if that's really what bothers them. And so I, I I'm just I'm really bothered by the wording forbidden. The, the language they definitely use now you're, very you're inflammatory yes. language in especially the yeah it's it's very strong the main newsletter that the language it was extremely inflammatory with the use of forbidden and calling this a back door. I know I've seen an article that had a screenshot and it tells you right in that screenshot that it is installing the snap version of Chromium. So you should be reading your terminal. And even if you need to, you know, walk away as something's installing, you can always scroll back up and see what happened. So they tell you that it's there. They right. do. And that's and the thing. One of the distros I've been messing around with lately is an Ubuntu-based, you know, 2004 distro, which is Nitrate. If you go into Discover, it tells you whether or not it's a snap or a deb in the selection screen. So the, the fact right. that they're actively going out of their way to saying, nope, you can't install SnapD. I, uh, why not just ship the distro without SnapD like you've been doing? Maintain your own version of Chromium if that's that big of an issue to your community and everybody's happy. You're not actively blocking installing SnapD because of your ethos. Well, I don't even mind that. I, d I don't even mind that they're blocking it because it's their distro for their community and if their community wants that and they say that they have directions on how to enable SnapD if you want. I have no problems with those choices if they want to make them in their philosophy. My problem with the whole thing is how inflammatory and angry they are about it. It should be like, nope, we don't agree with that. These are the changes we're making for our community. And here's how you reverse that if you want to continue using Mint. It should have been just cut and dry that way. There, there should not have been any hostility there. Or even just saying, we don't recommend using Chromium right. for this reason. If they have yeah, a problem absolutely. With it. That seems like a much simpler solution than making... Making a big hollow or about it. or you could have done. I don't know if you guys saw this on. It was either Twitter. It was one of the social sites pop up where it was Papa West just said with a gif of why not both, <laughs> 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 and, and they're not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> so right. like, again, pa right, Papa no, West not. doesn't ship. I believe with Snap D or Snaps enabled by default, but. <laughs> they support it. File that it pulls down is a deb. <laughs> and so it's no big hubbub about it. It just seems like it's unnecessary problems and, and language that doesn't need to be there. This is not an attack on Mint, but it seems like they complain a lot about the infrastructure that they use that they don't own. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. That's, so that's why would you too. not just, you've had Linux Mint Debian edition forever. So why not just switch? You complain that much about your distro base, then why do you still use it? Because Ubuntu does a ton of stuff yeah, it's a good on question. the back end that really improves the overall desktop experience. They solve a lot yeah. of problems. They, they do. And I get tired of the constant, I guess, canonical slash Ubuntu bashing because of something that they did. It's like everything they do is always just some other thing for somebody else in the community that they uh, distro this based off them, ironically, and relies so much on them, thinks that they can direct the entire project. They should have a say in the project, but at the end of the day, it's no different than Clem coming out and saying, this is my project and this is what we're doing. And I think that's one of the beauties of Linux in general, or the open source, I should say, because it's not just Linux. If this is what the Mint project wants to do, then I guess mm -hmm. let them do that. Fine, go ahead. 
whatever. You know, now there are uh, there are other options to getting Cinnamon Desktop on Ubuntu. And I personally, if someone really is, you know, in love with the Cinnamon Desktop, I today, you know, obviously my mind can change, but today I just wouldn't yeah. recommend Mint. I'm just going to resign Mint right now until because it doesn't it doesn't fit my needs. I, I want to make it clear. I love a lot of the work Mint does. Community gave us some really interesting feedback, both pro Mint and both saying, uh, I'm not quite so sure about that. Ethanol said, personally, I don't mind what Mint is doing. It's kind of like the whole telemetry debate. I'd rather my system presume non-consent until I explicitly give it. If Mint wants to forbid SnapD from being automatically installed, that's preachy. Since I already expect to have to manually install it when I want it anyways, like most things. So I, I definitely understand where that point is coming from, whereas as a not necessarily freedom standpoint, but a point of being in control of your computer saying, mm. hey, I already pr- want my system to presume that I don't want it until I tell it to install it. That's an interesting take on it. It is. and But my counter to that is when I go to install a distribution, and they automatically install LibreOffice. I didn't consent to right. that, right? I mean, it, it's it's to me, it's the same thing. Or I didn't consent to System D or or whatnot. But I can very easily, you know, if I well, not easily with System D, but I can very easily remove LibreOffice and customize it to my liking. And I think that when you get an Ubuntu base, you're you you should automatically understand that SnapD is of one it. of their cornerstone products right now. It's kind of a, it's you know it's a it's a package deal. But if you don't like it, you can feel free to remove that. That would be my that would be my, my yeah, counter well, to that. Bert has a great counter to that. Not necessarily in that, you know, snaps are a bad thing because he says he likes them. Bert N45, basically I prefer snaps and if it's available, I want to install it. But after installing LibreOffice in a snap, I detected that I locked lost access to Dutch language libraries and installing it again did not work for the snap. So I had to delete the snap again. I'm interested how the snap people want to work with language dependencies. If they can't solve this major issue, snaps are for the US, UK, and some other languages, larger countries only. So there's an issue there. So making a snap maybe the, the main app that installs could have issues for some people in the language realm? Well, my counter to that is that's a part of the, the containerized nature of things like Snap and Flatpak and app images and, you know, Docker and all the other stuff. It, that That's more, sounds like more of a permissions issue. Because yeah, they still need to have language support, ex- though, in order yes. to serve the entire community. In the traditional package setup, you have the different languages as different packages. So there, there would have to be some sort of a snap dependency that would pull in that other language dependency. That's really what's missing. It's not a that, that's a small potatoes item. That's one of those like, hey, can you add this? That's one yeah, of those that, where that the bug be. needs to be filed so that it can be fixed and they can have right. the language support they need. Yep, it's a small it's a small exactly. potato. Mr. Pope, can you please roll in the Dutch language dependencies <laughs> in, in the, into the LibreOffice snap? Much While you're doing everything else. <laughs> Why you do all the other things? <laughs> to, to throw a bug report in. And they make it pretty easy in the snap section. 
to do that, do. I believe. There was another one that uh, AK2020 uh, says, although I don't use Linux myself, I generally thought of their team to be fairly in touch with the community. Having watched this video, I agree. Linux Mint are overreacting and taking away choice from their community by making it so hard to install snaps. I think if they want to become independent of Ubuntu for whatever reason, first off, they should directly base on Debian. Uh, Debian. Secondly, yes. Why don't they have their own infrastructure if they want so much? independence and control mint it's like they want to be independent but they don't the amount of control they're looking for they and they are in touch with the community but i think their reliance on a back end that they complain so much about it seems is counterproductive to the overall growth of their distro just how i see it i i agree it does have that that air of you know if you have like a a, a child that goes off to college and they want independence from their parents but they want their money too that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and Debian already has some things that they don't allow. Right, it's it's only free packages, and if you want to do something different, you have to kind of tweak things in order to get those non-free packages. It's part of the philosophy of the distro. So for Mint right now, if you are being part of that community, that distro, then you are at least agreeing to the base philosophy or snaps are not a part of it, or I'm okay, I want to use Mint, and I'm all right with going in and enabling snaps. It's another impasse and a lot of hubbub and a lot of show for no apparent reason other than they want to have a show and they know to make the news rounds. So it gets Linux Mint in the news because if you look at when they what, uh, they make this announcement just about the time they're putting out the final release for the new release. Linux Mint, do you seriously think you're not going to get enough press release from the Linux journalism media end of things with just making a new release? So you're saying and every community uh, okay. has you a drama queen top and spot. the drama queen right now? <laughs> you got to hold that top spot on DistroWatch. Well, MX is still there. <laughs> and they're based on Debian and do great. Well, you know. Yes, yes, they are. My take is it's Mint's distro. Do what you want with it. I think kind of acting like just give me attention, making a bunch of hubbub about nothing and should kind of just follow Pop OS's lead with it. Just maintain your own version of it. Let people install SnapD if they want to. Don't tell them it's forbidden because no user who goes pseudo app install SnapD and says app forbidden <laughs> is going to know what to do right. generically without having to go and search for it. I, I Yep. Yep. I, I totally agree. I think that's exactly Absolutely. It. I'm totally agree. I think all three of us are on the same page with this topic. So to mint. Do what you do. Some people are going to agree with you. Some aren't. Keep doing what you do because you guys do make good contributions to the community. This is just happens to be one that, at least in our case, the three of us just don't agree with. The, well, the biggest goodies. So this is a this is a point release. So they don't do anything huge on the point releases. I probably should have had a little more prepared <laughs> for that. So what what comes is basically new hardware enablement. Uh, they're, they have a new welcome screen that they've, they've, they're pushing into Leap now. So they're kind of kind of getting on board to what they used to have some years back. But it's, it's just a lot, of, a lot of tweaking and tuning. One of the things about OpenSUSE is they never seem to do anything like huge and grandiose. They just kind of like, they're kind of a boring distribution. I'm, I'm really <laughs> selling it here, aren't I? But in, in the sense that they don't want to break things. They're very good about not breaking things. And they also, they're very compliant with the, the GPL as well. So the whole distribution is GPL compliant. Focused but that on, makes it that great for business, it. right? So because you don't sure want things to be it massive does. jumps and stuff in a, a business environment. Right. You want things to be stable and you want to be able to get your work done and get stuff for clients done and not have to go, crap, the whole IT department needs to come in and fix this right now. 
the powers of of OpenSUSE is is how they they make sure that for me the the biggest thing that I've had with Leap because I have a, a few systems that run Leap the, the biggest thing that I look forward to with the next version of Leap is that when I do the either online or offline up upgrade to the next distribution it works all the the refinements that they do have been doing in, in tumbleweed with the distribution upgrades essentially they've they've been tweaking that and making that better and better so that when they do these upgrades from from static releases that you don't have those hiccups that it is stable and seamless as you know, a regular upgrade within leap four years or so this has been very consistent i've even jumped versions going from like 15 to 50 uh, or, or 42.2 or whatever it was to 15 one that actually skipped releases before and it's always been able to pull through so i'm excited because it means that now I, all the people who I, I do support that i do have on OpenSUSE do their their upgrades for them because you know they're not necessarily computer people and and i don't have to worry about things breaking it's all just going to work and so that's really what excites me uh, most is i just that's don't awesome. have to worry nice now it sounds like a good release so i might actually even give it a try nate yeah, you probably won't like it uh, because it doesn't have. It's not going to be unstable enough for you. So he um, likes just all the weird stuff. I mean, if it's in <laughs> a way out yeah. there distro that has like three people on it, he's going to find it somewhere. Speaking I'll be of that, that third, uh, I'll be the third person. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Speaking of that, what weird yep. distro did you find <laughs> recently? Oh, the weird distro that I found is actually one that is based off the Ubuntu Unity spin that's been kicking around edge ubuntu discontinued after i think 1404 i believe yeah and you know there was no education focused ubuntu distro anymore so the ubuntu unity guys have actually made a spin for ubuntu unity like education the way they're calling it is just ubuntu education right now but it, they have four different package meta packages based around like the structure of the schooling so like years of schooling it's really cool i definitely like the fact that somebody's picking up this and running with it it's definitely needed this gets linux into like the school structure doesn't matter where when how because they have packages from kindergarten end of things all the way to transitional slash pre-college stuff so, so I, are I these a, like specific apps to be used in education or is it like sandboxed in a way that kids can't get into stuff they're not supposed to be when doing supposed to be doing schoolwork? What makes it education focused as compared to just Ubuntu? From my understanding, at least from what I've seen so far, is just like kind of like the predefined applications that are installed. I'm not 100% sure about like parallel controls and all that stuff. That's not something I've currently dug into. Just from poking, like, this was literally released as of today at 10, 11 Eastern time. So about 45 minutes before the show. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly see, I certainly see the, the importance of an education edition. You know, for me, when I set up computers for my kids, I go through and I look for, I, have, I already have my list of education applications that I use for my kids. You know, like like the G Compras. I don't know if you played with that. Tux no, type, you need to send me paint, that stuff list, like that. Nate. Things, things. Oh man, am I a lousy friend? I will remedy that. You're as not as a lousy friend. Yeah. So I have now a bunch that of I education. Know, I need that list. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bunch of applications I have my kids use that uh, it's, it's geared a little bit younger, but I want them to learn to touch type. I want them to learn. It's like a lot of letters and numbers and things like for my five year old. And he really likes it. I also, maybe this is kind of mean, but I, I disable the touchpad and force him to use a mouse because I'm just that no, kind of that kind of dad. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I but, agree. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they, they will use the touchpad otherwise. 
and and I really want them to learn to use the mouse. That's you can do just so much more. You just can't CAD with a touchpad. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, <laughs> you just can't. Anyway, but yeah, so there's a list there, and I could see it would be really nice if there was just an education meta package that had all the things that I want. I could very easily create one. It's not a big deal. There there used to be an education edition and and repositories and such, but those have all kind of merged in with the with the main repository. So th- those don't really exist anymore in OpenSUSE. But yeah, no, I totally see the point. Back to this. There should be an education edition. It just makes it a lot quicker for parents. You know, they can just take that, install it on their their computers, giving their kids, and they don't have to worry about faffing around looking for these different packages and so forth. So that's I think that's great, and I support it. You know, especially with more people potentially educating from home now, you know, due to things that this is this is good. This is great news, and I I'm going to check that out because there might be some applications that I've missed. And so I will, after we're done recording, I will uh, nice. download that. Which the download link will be in the show notes, by the way. The other thing I've been, so <laughs> a game I've been currently playing that I've had for a long, long time. It is a Linux native game. It is called Dreamfall Chapters. This is a fantasy meets sci-fi slash cyberpunk type game like two different worlds it talks about like the dream world and kind of like which is your fantasy setting and like the more modern sci-fi cyberpunk world the real world and how this your character kind of intertwines in between those worlds and travels to them it's it's a very telltales kind of game as far as like the walking dead and those kind of games so it's episodic in nature but right now, that game is on sale for $6.24 on Steam. So if you Ooh. like story-focused games and you want Linux native, that is definitely one to go grab. And with that, so Wendy, what is going on in your world as far as your interests and stuff? Well, I am definitely very big into photography. And I know people ask, what are the different software pieces that I use? One of the best places to learn about that is episode 89 of Destination Linux titled Kernel Poppin. I go through all of the stuff that I use and why I use it and none of that has changed. And I have to say that, oh my goodness, the applications for photography just keep getting better and better. There has been some amazing releases for GIMP recently where they're making it so you can do more of the non-destructive type editing. So I can work on a layer and blend things together. And I really don't do that um, as often. You know, it's just not the, the type of thing I do. But sometimes you have like a black item and dust is on it. And I live in Idaho where it is dusty all the time. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter. I mean, I could use an entire can of air on something and there would still be dust all over it. So that's where (laughs) GIMP is my best friend to go in and edit that kind of stuff off. And instead of having to do that directly on the image layer now, I can have a layer above it where it takes the different versions of the image that I've already blended together and then remove that dust. So sometimes I have two different images and they are different um, exposures because I want Mm -hmm. some things to show up differently. And it used to be I have to be like, oh, yeah, I can't fix that one because it's not on that layer. It's on that layer. And I have to go figure out where it is and save multiple versions so that if I need to go back and undo it, I can And they're putting more and more functionality into that non-destructive editing layer, which is so... Projects coming around. It was PhotoGimp, I believe, which is like a rework of the the old GIMP shop kind of thing. I haven't Um, seen that one. 
it, it changes the layout to more of a Photoshop-esque kind of layout. And that might look so. really good for people that have used Photoshop. I was I never used Photoshop in the past. Um, the programs that I was using before I found Linux was the Corel suite. And so I was more familiar with them. Yeah, Adobe was never something that I used a whole lot. I'm sorry, but I'm really stuck on the idea. So how do they remove the dust and so the photos? What how, I how will do... Work? is I will use a paintbrush and either the hill tool or the clone tool and use it to touch up those spots of dust. And I use an extremely soft brush so the edges of it are blend in with the color. And, and that's how I will pull the dust off things. Here's Here's the deal. Because I have done product photography for long enough, I can't even post something for sale without making sure not only is it lit properly, but it looks good. And I've had multiple cases of people going, can I get pictures of the actual thing? And I'm like, those those are pictures of the actual thing. They're not a stock image. They're like, yeah, yeah, right, whatever. Can I really get pictures of the actual thing? I'm like, okay, let me go take a picture of it where you can see my dirty laundry in the background <laughs> and then you... It's the same thing. <laughs> but it drives me nuts for it to not look good. It would be like Michael throwing together just some random different pieces from the web and calling it a logo. Like, there's no way that he could do that. Yeah, I can't even sell my junk without spending time on the pictures. What do you, how much time would you say you invest in one picture? You're going to test, you're, you're going to sell something, you know, whatever it is, you know, Craigslist or whatever. How much time do you spend on the if photograph I itself? I typically really don't spend that much time because I try to do most of that in camera on the lighting side and I'll do something pretty basic. So, you know, it's all white but I don't have it that evenly lit stuff where there is no shadows because that drives me nuts. I cannot stand product images where there's light coming from all sides and there's no shadows. So you have no depth and detail and texture. It makes me angry. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll. So do me a favor and don't look at any of my photos. No, you are not a company trying to sell your stuff <laughs> and hiding what the texture of your product is. That makes me mad. Yeah, no, oh, okay. otherwise you're good. It. So I will usually have one light source and then some different whiteboards all around it. So what? It probably takes me a half hour to set up the light and then post-wise, maybe five to 10 minutes per image if something needs touched up. But typically, one of the last things that I needed to sell is I'd upgraded my weights. So instead of having a bunch of individual dumbbells, I now have a set where they're adjustable. So I wanted to sell all of my individual dumbbells. And I really didn't clean them up that much in post because I want people to see, right? I don't want it to be a fake version of it. These have been used. You can see where there's a scratch on it or, mm -hmm. or that kind of thing. Making sure the lighting's good and you can actually see what it is and the texture of it. That's what's most important to me. We'd like to continue this discussion with you on Telegram, in Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for information on how to connect to the social channels and also shows and creators at destinationlinux.network. You can find more information about me at cubiclenate.com. Links to my regular written blatherings podcast and YouTube channel and stuff is there. So Matt, where can we find you? Can you can find my random ramblings on Twitter at MattDLN. And Wendy, where can we find more information 
at all of your Right now, endeavors. the best place to contact me is in different groups on Telegram or on the Discourse forum. And I am working on a way that you guys can drop me an email or other messages to ask your camera questions and other fun stuff like that. Excellent. And as always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode of DLN Extend. Until then, have a great week, everyone. See you guys. Later, everybody. It's been an awesome show. See you.